episode 66 coming at you of the Parkrun Adventurers. Just think, Scotty, we're only 600 episodes away from scoring the devil's number. <laughs> the devil is in the detail, Mel. Well done. And however many years it's going to take for us to get there, who knows, but, you know. I Look, I love doing the podcast. But you don't think we're going to make it to 666? I'm sorry, we're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have that kind of faith in us? Sorry. That's a, long, that's a long time. And, yeah. Yeah, that's like 50 years, isn't it? No. How, I hope okay. not. This is, is going to end really badly if I try to do the maths again. So, let's, let's talk about the weekend, shall yeah, we? that's better. 13 years, maybe. Okay. Well, I, I will get a calculator out later and, you know, figure it out. I'm not sure I believe you on 13 years. Well, in 13 years' time, my daughter's going to be 21. Wow. And let me tell you, doing setup with a 21-year-old, I don't reckon it'd be as much fun as doing parkrun setup with an 8-year-old. How did it go? The biggest challenge was getting up earlier because, okay. as we've discovered, Saturday has now become one of my daughter's least favourite days. For waking up. Because she has to get up earlier. She has to get up earlier than she does when for she school. goes. Yeah. Okay. And so when we had to do it an extra hour earlier, it wasn't a good start. But it got better. <laughs> because remember on last week's show, I said there are no shortcuts. Yes. Well, I didn't listen to my own advice. And we tried to devise shortcuts. We tried to figure out ways to get around the course in the quickest amount of time. And which involved the least amount of walking. It didn't work. So we were, we were a mess. We went to all different points of the park trying to place the to signs. To make it quicker. To make it oh. quicker. And it took longer. Kasha was on her scooter. And, yeah, it just took longer. And then at the end of it, we, we all agreed that if we just started at the start, walked the course, put the signs around, and finished at the finish, we probably would have been finished probably about 20 minutes earlier. <laughs> Oh, well, you have to try these things sometime to figure out that they're not going to work. But it was good fun. So I I experienced my first ever Kids Take Over Park Run. And, yeah, I can see why a lot of events do it and love doing it because there's something about seeing an eight-year-old stand up in front of 150 to 200 people and just have supreme confidence to deliver the pre-run briefing, even though... She had it prepared. She had it. She was reading off a script that she had worked out herself. Um, I just thought it was fantastic. And then that—that's ah, awesome. After, How many kids were there all together? I'd say they're probably about eight to ten. So they filled all the positions and with with parents hovering around the whole time. But the parents didn't need to be there. Westerfold's kids are pretty switched on, and um, the event ran very smoothly. It was good fun. It was a great morning. And awesome. Wetted, wetted an appetite. I know it's quite different, but Junior Park Run, it's coming to Australia very soon. and It's going to be hugely successful. Well, I certainly hope so. But it's going to be something different as well. We're, we're bringing the Park Run concept to kids that they may have experienced little athletics, they may have experienced you know, sport, cross country, running at school. But I just think the junior park run and the park run model is different. 
because it allows stuff like this. It allows kids to take charge that perhaps they wouldn't have got the chance at school or in the other things that I mentioned. And non-competitive as well. Exactly. Yeah. It takes the pressure off participation. Yeah. And, and it... It opens up the world to these kids that they may not have... You may not have ever thought. Like, our run director on Saturday, she just turned eight, and it was her birthday present to be run director. So she loves parkrun that much at eight. That one of her requests was, can she be run director? And I thought that was pretty remarkable and kind of cute at the same time. That's very sweet. And the kids are usually all over the roles. They are so focused and they're great, especially at the technology ones like the scanning and the stopwatch. They're onto it. Absolutely. That's what I said. There was, it, everything ran smoothly. Went up to get my barcode scanned and they knew what they were doing. It was great. Well, well done to all the kids who took over the roles at Westerfolds on the weekend. There was a new event launching in Queensland where people were doing the roles for the very first time as well. I understand that all went smoothly. And excitingly, it is the first E in Australia. It's Emerald, for those of you who don't know it. I'm told that it is home of the world's biggest easel with a Van Gogh picture on it. So if you (laughs) didn't want to go to Emerald just for parkrun... That sounds to me like a pretty big draw card. That's pretty random. Uh, what's what's the connection? <laughs> I've got no idea. I, I literally have no idea why. <laughs> Did Van Gogh the ever... biggest easel with a Van Gogh picture is in Emerald. I can't imagine he ever visited Emerald. Um, Did he ever paint? No. Of Emerald? I don't. No. I'm not even sure he was alive when <laughs> Emerald was founded. To be honest, he probably but... wasn't. My, my art history is not great, as well as my geography and maths. But yeah, well, on that, where is Emerald? It's in Queensland. Well, I knew that much. <laughs> like, it's north. How far and north? A bit, a bit west. Um, well, from Brisbane, it's up in the hundreds and hundreds of kilometres north. So let's say between eight and nine hundred kilometres north of Brisbane. Okay. That's without looking at Google Maps. That's my rough guesstimation. I'm sure I'll be corrected by half a dozen adventurers before next week's episode comes out. So I can, uh, let's say, record (laughs) my apologies next week for getting it wrong. Well, that's kind of why I did it, to set you up for that. But we had some some roving reports. So roving reports are all the rage these days. They Um, are, and we love getting them. So keep them coming, people. So let's have a listen. Who, Who have we got? Well, we have got roving reports from our friend Dave Moss, who uh, was there last week. Um, When I say there last week, he did roving reports for us last week as well. It was last week, wasn't it? No, it was two weeks ago. He was with um, our Phil, our Eggman at Sandgate. Yes, yes. And we've also got uh, roving reports from Dylan, Riley and Tara, who have previously been roving reporters for us on the podcast as well. Great. Take it away. Hello. I'm with uh, Donna at the Emerald Parkrun course. We've just had the the first run. And uh, Donna, how would you describe the course? Oh, the course was undulating. It was tough. Uh, The arrows were great to guide us in the right direction because it wasn't the most... uh, It's not an out-and-back course. It's a loopy course. Um, It's through the beautiful Botanic Gardens in Emerald, which was just amazing. It's a bit of a highlight in Emerald. Yeah, it's on trail mainly, so 
was just fantastic. It's great. This is, uh, there are more dogs here than I think I've seen at any other park run as well. I think I can probably count maybe a, at least a dozen dogs and a few prams too. And everything I saw was, uh, was well controlled down there. Um, you're quite right about the loops on the courses. I think there are at least four loops going out there. They'd, yes, there'd be the first initial loop through the, the beautiful rose garden. The roses are out at the moment too, which is lovely. Mm. Um, and then there's the loop down along the, the river as well. There's the two loops down there and then the big loop right around through the bats, which was lovely too. And there are about four bridge crossings. Yeah, and there's there. that little rickety bridge that you have to be careful on. That was a brilliant one. And they've, um, they've made another bridge that's um, not so slippy anymore, so that, that was good. <laughs> And would you describe it as an easy course, hard course? I'd say that. Sure. I'd say that's up as one of the harder courses in, in Australia, I, to be honest. I find it. Uh, yeah, I, I was expecting it to be a lot flatter than it was. Well, Emerald. Uh, everyone thinks Emerald's flat, and it's not. I yes. think we can. Um, last weekend we had the triathlon here, and mm. a lot of people came uh, for the triathlon. They said we thought it was going to be an easy course. It's supposed to be flat, <laughs> and it wasn't. Thank you. Question: Whereabouts do you think most of the runners are likely to come from who'll be doing the uh, the course in future? Well, hopefully the locals will attend very regularly to make this work. Um, but I think at the minute, I mean, we've got a lot of people, a lot of people have come from Blackwater today as well, which is just down oh, the road. Right, yeah. uh, I've spoken to a few people who have come from there. Uh, mainly the coast, I think. We might get a, a lot from Rocky. We had a lady from Harvey Bay, and I know a few people have come from Brisbane. Um, mm, being the first E in Australia, everyone likes to tick off the, the letters of the alphabet, so Emerald's the first E in Australia. Um, I think we'll get a lot from... You know, your Blackwaters, your Longreaches, um, a lot of the more of the regional towns. I believe you could well be right on that one. There's also, uh, you might get a few grey nomads doing this as well. Well, that's true. Uh, the Botanic Gardens is the caravan park for grey nomads, so um, <laughs> they have a 24-hour free camp spot, and that is very busy in the winter months here, so hopefully they come and join that. in. I believe it does empty a bit when the tide comes up. Well, that's it. And there was a lady today, actually, I spoke to, and she was 70 and very impressed with the course. She said it was very hilly, but she was like, I'm a 70-year-old lady and I've done this. Ah, uh, good on her. She, yeah. So she'll be uh, first in her age category? I think so, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I saw there a lot of people in green. Yes, uh, we also have a big contingent of, um, we have another group in town that sort of started in the last year, uh, Emerald Runners, which has created um, a lot of enthusiasm for running yep. and fitness in the town. Uh, we've got a lot of people who are doing their first of everything this year, first tens, first halves, first triathlons, um, and Emerald Runners and the and Central Highland that, Triathlon Club have been big instigators. The for, Emerald Runners, I think they scored almost all of the first positions. Yes, today. they did, I think, yes. I think we were top five at least. Very uh, impressive. In, in, in their little tops, so that was very good. Okay. And uh, just out of interest, what other things might attract people to Emerald uh, it is a long way from the coast or from the nearest park run, which is what, Gladstone or Rocky? Rocky's our closest uh, okay. probably city, I guess. It's two mm. and a half hours down the road. Uh, what people to Emerald, I think Emerald is kind of a, a bit of a hub. It, it, it isn't a small town, um, even though it's you know it's, not it, bigger than most, but we have everything here, so it's a bit of a service town. It's surprisingly big. I, I was last year about 25 years ago and the place has grown tremendously. Yeah and I think yes. after the big boom of the mining and stuff it's actually started to plateau out a little bit so we had a big downturn obviously and a lot of people left town and yeah. but I think at the minute it's stabilised and there's a lot of people remaining in town and, and making it their home and yeah. people sort of living here and staying here now so 
um, it's not such a, a dead town as it was a little while ago. So I think it's um, it's really picked uh, up, which is fantastic. It's had its ups and downs. Though. It certainly has, yeah. yeah. And I think that'll continue with the whole mining industry, but it's, okay. it's a very good town. Hello, I'm still here at the uh, Emerald Park Run and with Megan, one of the local councillors. Hi, David. Hey. Thank you very much for coming out today. Oh, look, we, we love the course. The weather's been absolutely perfect. Um, looks it's, like another blue sky day. Isn't it beautiful? And you've got to run uh, today at the Emerald Botanic Gardens. So this is, we've got 42 hectares here, a beautiful parkland with lots of different running tracks. So if you're travelling through this area, please make sure you stop at the Emerald Botanic Gardens and I'd like to welcome everyone to come out to the Central Highlands because not only do we have this beautiful running area but we've got lots of tourist attractions and uh, national parks like Carnarvon Gorge National Park, Blackdown Tablelands and if you're into gem fossicking there's uh, wonderful areas at the Sapphire Gem Fields. There are indeed, yes. I've been to uh, Anarchy, but I haven't been out to Sapphire or a few of the other places. Oh, yet. wonderful. And if um, for, for runners out there, there's the Wetland Reserve at Sapphire, which has some off-road trails that you can run through as well. Actually, somebody told me this is one of the, uh, the Emerald Botanical Gardens, uh, one of the uh, top seven, is it? In Queensland? Oh gosh, I, ah, I, I don't. Okay. There you go. Now you're telling me something, David. I'm glad to hear. I'd like to say it's yeah. It would be in the top seven of of gardens or places to visit. It is. It's, it's very nice. We do thank the uh, council for putting in money to help start for the start-up for the park run as well. Oh, that's no yeah. problem, David. So we have a, a the Central Highlands Regional Council has a community development grant which people or community groups can apply for up to five thousand dollars, and that's run twice a year. So for uh, to start park run, the Central Highlands Triathlon Club um, put in a grant and was successful. Um, to receive that funding from council. But um, in addition to that, we've had a, a lot of support from uh, the council's parks and recreation team in working with the triathlon club to develop a great course for the park runners. And Megan, I see that you're wearing one of the volunteer outfits. Yes, I, um, I enjoy, I, I love running, but I also enjoy volunteering. So today I was a photographer. <laughs> so what, you'll usually be uh, running? Yeah, yes. I hope so. I, I've, I, I've put up my hand to volunteer probably once a month, um, then otherwise I'll be running. And I do enjoy getting to other park runs, so when I'm down south or in other areas, I do pop into them. Very good, and we hope to see you there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Tara, and I'm at the Emerald Park Run launch, and I'm with... Shannon and Sophie. And how do you think about the course today? I've done the two trial runs and I find it a little bit um, challenging because it's up and down. Yeah. Quite hilly, but it's good. It's nice. <laughs> How do you feel about the parkrun coming to this town and impacting? It's pretty exciting, actually. I like that it's timed and I like that it's free. <laughs> they are certainly um, yes. positives, yes. And it's every weekend, so that's you've always got something that you could go to on a Saturday morning, so it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, where are you from? Originally from Yapoon, but now live in Emerald and have for a few years. And I'm from Gindi, which is about 20 minutes away. Okay, thank you very much. I'm here at the Emerald Park Run Launch. I am here with... Amanda. Caitlin. And Mia. How did you girls find the run today? It was really fun. Yeah, it was really good. Never run that far before. 
I thought it was great um, that you knew how far you were running and that helped set goals. How'd your dog go today? My dog went really, really well for the first time. It's great to socialise And how did you guys find the course? It was pretty good. A few challenging hills in there that you had to push through, but it was a lot of fun though. Yeah, the course was great. It was good. Thank you, girls. We just finished the run and I'm here with... Bianca. How did the, you find the run went today? It was really nice. The track was really good and great temperature, a bit cool this morning. How did your dog go? Oh, he did really well. He does lots of running with me, so 5Ks is pretty small for him, but it's nice to have other dogs with us as well. And did you like the course? Yeah, it's a great course. It's got lots of different terrain and hills and straights, and that was really good. Thank you. What is your name? Tony. How did you find the run today? Um, found it very, very interesting. Lots of different surfaces to run on, a few little hills. It was enjoyable. I'm here with Mel and I have just finished the Emerald Park run. So what was your favourite part of the course? Uh, I guess, mate, it's the uh, coming together of the people in town. So it's something new, something fresh for the town. So yeah, it's really good. Good to see a lot of people turn out for it. Is it good to have a park run at Emerald now? Mate, I think it's sensational, actually. Um, it's something that the town's, yeah, probably been looking for for a long time now. It's good. It's a great thing. It's all around the country. So, um, yeah, it's a good challenge for people to get out, travel, and uh, have a crack at the park run. Steve, yep. what do you think of park run today? Park run today looks really exciting. I just like the way it looks like the most complicated parkrun course in Australia but um, it looks like it's been marked out really well with arrows I walked part of it last night it looks like a beautiful course this could get there into my top three but I reckon by the end of the day um, and what's with your 50 plus volunteer yeah, my uh, no for my fifty uh, for my fifty plus tourist shirt. This today will be my seventy seven. So every tourist park run I've done, after the run normally I uh, paint on like the, the different um, places I've been to. But today was the first time I've actually put emerald on before I've started because I only had to walk from the motel, which was hundred metres. So I didn't think I'd have any problems. Now, quite often when we have our event directors on the podcast, they've run at Parkrun. So we're going to mix things up this week and we're going to talk to one of our event directors who has never run at Parkrun, but she runs an entire event. Welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers, Charlotte Black from Willoughby. Thanks so much for having me, guys. <laughs> so excited to be here. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you and let's, let's talk about this not running at Parkrun business. How does this happen? Ah, well, it happens when um, a lady or a fellow um, parkrun or event director um, from Mossman comes and asks you um, if you'd be interested in event directing a Willoughby one because she's noticed that there is a lack basically on the North Shore of Sydney of parkruns. And um, so May 2016, we kicked it off with Willoughby Council um, and you know, got everything in order with Parkrun over in the UK. And on November 4th um, of 2016, we kicked off our first Parkrun. And I have done every weekend but two um, event directing since then. So that's how you haven't run <laughs> before. So, yeah. So, Charlotte, you, you, you've taken this on um, at the request of, of somebody from Mossman, but 
you you had never even run at Mossman and you didn't even run at Mossman after they asked and what what gets you attracted to parkrun and creating an event when you've never actually participated before? I guess uh, it all comes from my background. So I am an event coordinator. So basically it's like putting on an event or providing event for people and seeing their joy that they get from an event. And that basically kind of drives me to get out of bed at 20 past five every Saturday morning. Um, I find it like super rewarding. And I guess that's just how it's kind of happened. Back when I first was kicking off, I was busy on a Saturday morning. I used to coach netball. So park run running at Mossman wasn't at the top of my to-do list, but I did go along and uh, volunteer at one of theirs. And it kind of just kicked off since ever since then. But I am being hounded by a lot of my runners that I need to run it. So I'm not a runner. Um, actually, um, I'm more of a walker, jogger, early morning when no one can see me. So um, it would be an interesting one if I did ever run, but it is on my to-do list very shortly. So yeah, I think it's about time I do my first park run. That was going to be my next question. What what were the aspirations and do you have a running background? But if you coach netball, you're obviously very active and out there and sporty. No, I'm a swimmer. That's it. I Getting in the water is easy, but uh, running is, yeah, not not quite quite there. But I do do quite like a good walk. So I thought maybe I'll tail run. That will be it. <laughs> so so you, you've, you've got the run directing down, Pat. One yep. thing that is also unique about you, Charlotte, is that you're quite young. In, run, in park run circles, a lot of our run directors and event directors are a bit older, shall we say, but you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're not. Yes, I'm not. I'm <laughs> only 23, so <laughs> there we go. That puts it out there for you. So, uh, yeah, I, it's something really different. Um, all of my friends can't believe that I do something like that. Actually, a lot of my friends can't believe I get out of bed at 20 past five on a Saturday morning. A lot of them always ask me, what am I doing on a Friday night? And I say I'm normally in bed by 9.30 and the car's packed ready to go to go down to park run. So, yes, I save my social life for the uh, Saturday night shenanigans rather than the Friday night. So. Yeah. so so your generation struggles with the getting up early part of park run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you don't mind it. You embrace yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I really do. I really, really do. I mean, when the alarm goes off, um, I really want to hit snooze. But by the time I get down there and I set the course up with my mom, who I'm going to drop into this, she is the most incredible person in the world. She is the one that gets up with me and uh, sets up the course, which she loves. So she's the big walker in the family. She's always up early morning walking. So she really enjoys it. Um, And we, yeah, we have a good laugh setting up the course. Actually, it was a few weeks ago when um, we had the really bad storm. Um, come through and there were trees over ours over our path and my mum and I were trying to move a tree so that was that was a good laugh trying to move a tree out of the way which then just turned into an obstacle for our park runners because um we couldn't move the tree so yeah that's a bit nice that you get to spend some quality time with your mum every weekend yeah it's good fun she really enjoys it I think I just can't believe the social aspect of it I think that's something that I've been so like mind blown by like the community vibe and the social aspect and just you create this whole new family um, and it's just awesome. And I think that's just something that like I really try and encourage people to like get down and get involved. So we're really growing, which is really awesome. So, yeah. And what kind of numbers do you attract at Willoughby on a weekly basis? 
So at the moment, we're averaging 180 a week. So not huge, but um, yeah, still pretty big, which is which is pretty cool. So yeah. 180 is substantial. That's, you know, I, I think a lot of courses tap out at 150. So you must have a nice space to be able to accommodate that many. Can you tell us about your course? Yeah. Um, so we start on Artaman Reserve, which is just a local oval to Willoughby. Um, we start in the middle of it. Um, or middle of it, side of the oval. So we actually start our park run on grass and finish on grass, um, but the rest of the track is on the concrete or a shared bike path, which to the horror of a lot of people, those speedy bikers that go riding down there is a is a fun one to make sure everyone's safe. Yeah, so we've got a few hills, which uh, – well, a few hills, steep inclines, I could say – um, which throw people off. We've had a few tourists who are um, not happy about the inclines that we have. Our course is out and back, um, so not laps or anything. It's a, yeah, it's it's a good one. It's a really cool course, and a lot of tourists really enjoy it. Um, I have a good chat to them. So, yeah, we get a mixture. Some of them come back um, extremely puffed about the fact that the inclines in there really got to them, but a lot of them really enjoy because it it's a little bit scenic. It runs along the back of um, Willoughby, uh, what's it called flat rock gully so it's a bit of a, a bush bush track or not you don't run in the bush but it's got a bush either side of it but yeah so we've got the footpath there and we run through a few tunnels which is pretty cool one of them has um aboriginal artwork all over it which is pretty exciting to run through i quite enjoy it i think my handprint's actually in there that i did back when i was five years old so <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good cool. you're selling it to yeah. me <laughs> sounds great um one thing you had the achilles group come and visit you a couple mm-hmm. of weeks back. They were out in force at your park run. Um, how, how did that go? Oh, amazing. It was so cool. I actually couldn't believe the turnout when um, one of the ladies, Megan, um, she came forward and said to me what she did and how she wants to get them all down there. I was like, yeah, no worries. But the turnout was incredible. I think we had like 10 pairs or so um, there and it was awesome. Um yeah, everyone just getting behind them and encouraging everyone to like get along and involved. And that's something that we're really trying to do. Our park run, just to turn off a little bit, is um, a children are really involved in it. And I, if you come and look at our park run, we really cater for every generation, every type of person, everything. And I think that's really awesome. So it was really awesome to have them down there. And they're still there and they're still coming back. And yeah. It's. I think it's just awesome that Megan has really come forward to, you know, express her concern that maybe these some of the um, these people are being left behind and there isn't something for them. And now these people are volunteering their time to run with people who need that little bit of assistance. I think that's awesome and kudos to them. Really, I yeah. Have you mind blowing? Really. <laughs> have you seen them come back? Have they returned since they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they sure have. Yeah, we've got um, a gentleman, Rocco, who um, has returned. And this week he ran a, he ran a PB um, of two minutes, which was really awesome. So everyone's really out there, like, encouraging each other to, like, yeah, push to the limits. And, yeah, it's great. What is also great is that uh, last week, courtesy of First Aid Accident and Emergency, they donated two defibs to Parkrun. We had a random draw and Willoughby won. So you're, yeah, very exciting. Your event is now the proud owner of a defib. <laughs> yes, we should be arriving any minute now. I hear so. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so that's got to be exciting for your event and your event team. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, yeah, I think it's really great to, I don't know, I'm a bit like speechless. I was a bit surprised when um, I got the call about how we'd got one. I was like, oh, amazing. So, yeah, I think definitely, yeah. yeah. Now, you, you're a run director every week. Have you got some run directors to share the love, to share the volume of volunteering <laughs> with at the moment, or do you need some more? Ah, uh, yes. No, I have love. I really do. Um, I am, you know, slowly being encouraged that maybe what if one week I really just couldn't attend and who would take over? Um, um, yes, I have a great support system and I definitely do have some people out there who are always willing to help me out no matter what. So, I, you know, it is in the works to, you know, maybe hand it over, let some other run direct, let some guys have some go run directing and maybe then I will run park run. <laughs> so, yes. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for sharing Willoughby's story with us, uh, especially, you know, as somebody from a perspective who isn't a runner and doesn't run at her event. Um, I'm sure you will appreciate it when you do have some fellow run directors to share that joy with because it is fun, especially all the creative volunteering that goes on behind the scenes. Nothing like sharing that around. Um, Congratulations as well. Six months in, you've got six months to go to plan for your first anniversary. I'm so excited. (laughs) So thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. And hopefully we'll see you around at ours or maybe I'll have to venture down to your park run. We've had him on the podcast before. He has been up to all sorts of fun shenanigans all over the place, among which included becoming Park Runner of the Month recently at Penrith Lakes and taking part in a Guinness World Record attempt in aid of outrun cancer over the weekend. Brendan Davies, welcome back to the Park Run Adventurers. Oh, thanks, Mel. It's great to be back on. So you're pretty fresh off your Guinness World Record attempt, um, as fresh as somebody can be when they've been running on a treadmill in a team or with others for 24 hours. Do you want to tell us all about it? Yeah, yeah. so it, it was a, a charity event put on by a friend of mine up here in Sydney, Luca Torini, who runs a foundation called Outrun Cancer. And each year he does a, um, a big fundraising effort to raise funds for a, uh, a cancer research charity. This year we chose to raise funds for Camp Quality. And so he has this um, this, this dream of breaking three world records. And um, firstly, there was his own, that he was attempting a solo 24-hour treadmill run. And he needed to um, run over 260 kilometres to break the world record. Um, and then either side of him um, on a treadmill left and right, um, I think for, for his own encouragement and um, his own um, help to some degree, but also just to get others involved in, in the whole journey with him, he set up a, a, a team of 12 men on one side and a team of 12 women on the other side, which we could, um, we could uh, hop on and off uh, whenever we wanted to. Um, it was up to the individual runners in those teams to decide, but we all had to be on that one treadmill um, during that 24-hour period, and the men needed to break 400 kilometres to set a new world record, the, and the women needed to, um, I believe it was 300 to break the uh, the female world record. 
And I'm very, um, very, very happy to say that all three world records uh, were broken. Um, it was just an outstanding event. It was, it was amazing to watch and be part of. It was um, one of those moments in running that um, you, you just, you're just so thankful that you're, you're in and around such a, a great community of people and a great sport to be involved in. And also around some handy runners, because what are the average times you have to run? I'm, I'm doing the quick math in my head. Luca would have had to sort of sit on five and a half minute Ks to get his record. Is, is that right? Yeah, that that's correct. Yeah, five and a half on the on the on the on the money there, uh, Scott. And you know he he fluctuated his pace a little bit as you tend to do in these events. Um, but yeah, from what I saw from Luca, he his pace never wavered too much below. Uh, five five twenty kind of pace, and he always kept it under five forties. I mean, he did have a few breaks here and there for toilet stops, as you, of course you need to do, and um, and that kind of thing. So he he averaged um, he averaged well under six minute, uh, well under five five and a half minute k's um, in the end, and and that's what got him the got him the world record, albeit not by very much. He he uh, only got past it, um, you know, with a couple of minutes to spare, and ended up setting a new world record by 600 meters. Um, so it was skating a fine line there, but uh, thin ice, I should say. Uh, but he ended up getting it, and that was uh, that just added to the um, the day uh, because, of course, the uh, male and female team world records had already been set, uh, broken a lot earlier in the piece. And so, in amongst those relay teams, there were there were some handy park runners as well. We had Marty Dent and yourself, of course, but there was a few elites. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we had to average like three-and-a-half-minute kilometres for the whole 24 hours. So, unfortunately, we, to do that, we had to kind of be a bit picky about the quality of the runners to, um, to, to enlist. So, yeah, we had Marty Dent, um, Ben St. Lawrence, you know, reigning uh, fastest man over 10, 10K in Australia ever. Um, Matty Cox, a really good up-and-coming marathon runner. Um, we also had, you know, some very high-standard uh, uh, triathletes and coaches, a couple of youngsters, up-and-coming track runners. So yeah, we all, we all had a dig, and you know, some some of us got on for uh, five minutes, and some of us got on for you know ten, fifteen minutes. Um, it was it was a little bit of strategy involved because obviously, if you go long, then running three-and-a-half-minute kilometres or under, you obviously need a bit more recovery time. So we ended up working it out that the best strategy was 10 minutes on and then having 10 minutes off and then swapping that with a partner for two hours. And then we had like a good 10 to 12-hour break and then the same pair would come back for another two-hour stint and do basically the same kind of segments um, again later on. And so that's how we kind of divided it up. So all 12 male runners um, ended up doing two hours of running each, um, mainly broken up in 10-minute slots. The females were a little bit different. They, they, um, a couple of them, uh, they had some really outstanding uh, runners in their team too, like Cassie Fiend, um was involved and um, a few really good Sydney marathon runners. Um, and and they, uh, some of them had up to an hour on the treadmill. Um, and some of them only had five minutes here and there, and, and there was a couple of long runs going on in the females. I think because they, that the standard of the, the runners that they had, it meant that they didn't have to you know, run so intensely because their goal 
time over the 24 hours was just to maintain four and a half minute Ks. So it was the the existing world record wasn't as tough if you like. So they had a bit more um, room to kind of do whatever they want. I think a few of them got out their usual Sunday long run. <laughs> So, yeah, it was really interesting and, and really exciting to be part of. And you obviously worked out these strategies ahead of starting? Yeah, so we had team meetings and we spoke about how we were going to break up the, the shifts and we worked out that, yeah, two lots of two hours with a partner was the best way to go and we weren't quite sure what the best intervals would be. We were talking about 20-minute intervals originally um, and doing six of, six of those if you're uh, – sorry, three of those in two hours each um, with 20 minutes recovery. But we worked out pretty soon that 20 minutes at 3.30 pace was actually quite a long a long time to maintain the pace. And and the uh, the worry there was that um, after the first attempt, then the second one would slow down and then the third one might even blow out out of that pace range. So we'd actually be putting a bit of a, um, a deficit in the, in the pace. So 10 minutes was really good because some of those faster guys like Ben St. Lawrence and Dave Crenidi and, and Matty Cox and um, and uh, Jeff Hunt as well, another Australian Olympic marathon runner, they can easily hold like three-minute 250 kind of pace for 10 minutes without a worry. So they were putting a lot of time in the bank for us and that's what uh, um, in the end gave us, you know, the opportunity to actually break the record by um, by 20 kilometres. That was going to be my next question. So obviously, you know, you've got your strategies and you figure out your average time that you need to break. The existing record is the idea that you sort of only break it by a little bit so that, um, you know, you're not putting too much pressure on everyone or is the idea that you go in and you absolutely massacre the previous one to make it really difficult for somebody else to break in the future? Uh, We didn't really um, have... a lot of experience on the treadmill so we weren't sure um how the day would pan out so i think the only rule we had was that we had to run under 330 pace just so you know we weren't putting time we weren't getting behind in time um and whatever happened after that we could kind of play it by ear a little bit so i think you know for a lot of the guys and including myself we all did the first interval you know at 330 pace and then we went well that was actually quite comfortable we can ramp it up a little bit and that's when, you know, we were starting to put time in the bank. The other thing we had to account for, too, was the changeovers. Originally, we thought, oh, we're actually going to have to slow down the treadmill right down to do the swap over of athletes on the treadmill. Um, so that's going to actually bite into our time that we've got in our, in the bank. Um, but we worked out that after a while and with a little bit of practice before it, um, we could do the swap overs really efficiently. We were hardly losing any time. In fact, when I was swapping over with Dave Crenetti, I was just slowing down the treadmill to um, to 3.30 pace and he'd hop on and, and run along. Um, we were allowed to hold on to the handrails for up to 10 seconds on the swap overs, um, which, which made it a lot easier because obviously if you've got some support, your legs just kind of tick over at, at the speed of the treadmill then and um, you know, in the end, we were jumping on the treadmill hot and only hold, having to hold on to the handrails for up to, you know, maybe one or two seconds at most before we were away. And um, so, yeah, we were getting really efficient, you know, at the end. I, I think, um, you know, if anyone saw the feed on, on Facebook, it was, uh, it, was, it was quite interesting to watch and, and exciting too. How do you find treadmill running? A lot of people refer to it as the dreadmill. 
Do you, do you? I hate it. I couldn't think of anything worse. How, how did you go on the treadmill? Look, I don't mind the treadmill. I, I, I think it depends on your your level of um, your involvement in the sport. I guess if you're a, more into the recreational side of running and, and enjoy it for the experience of what it is, um, and you like getting out on the trails and, and having a bit of relaxation time, then yeah, I can understand why treadmill running would be quite mundane and boring. Um, and, and indeed, you know, being in a room surrounded by walls and 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 um, you know maybe a TV in front of you, it's not my idea of fun either. But for guys like a, um, a more into the into the performance edge of running, it, it's actually a really good tool. Um, you know, it, it does control the pace extremely well, so to get into a rhythm is really easy. Um, I mean, the elevation can be can be um, changed if you need to work on like a hill repeat session. You can set it exactly to what you want it to be you can set the speed to exactly what you want it to be and um you can really work on you know your technique on a treadmill as well a cadence and um body position and stuff like that um so look uh, as a training tool i, I think you know treadmills are a, a really handy thing to have and i have one pretty much just for that or oh, the other reason too of course i live up here in the mountains and it gets quite cold in winter so, you know, I have been known to take the odd um, week option and, and head on the treadmill instead of heading out in the cold. But, yeah, like for a for a performance, um, someone looking to, you know, improve their performance, I'd highly recommend uh, incorporating a bit of treadmill running into your training program. Let's get outdoors, though. You're, you're planning on heading to Comrades in a few weeks and you've got your last long run before this um, coming up this weekend, which you're going to do at the Wings for Life. Now, the Wings for Life is one of those funny events that hasn't got a particular distance. What kind of distance are you hoping to achieve there for your last long run? Yeah, it is. It's a real exciting event. It's... Um it's a different concept. So everyone starts at the same time and, uh, yeah, uh, half an hour, I think, later, a car sets out at a given pace. I think it might be under 15K an hour and then um, gradually, reel, you know, reels in people and you, you then have to um, pull off the course. Um, so everybody finishes at a, at a different spot, really, and um, that car eventually increases its own speed and, you know, gradually chases down everyone. Um, so it's a really cool concept because you're not really racing, um, you know, to a finish line. You're, you're kind of just racing within yourself. And it's not going to be uh, favouring um, any any one type of runner. I think a faster runner could go out a bit hard and and then maybe not get the distance that they're maybe capable of, while a slow and steadier runner might actually go a lot further than they expect. Um and, you know, I'm an ultra runner, really, so this kind of race excites me because uh, it, it brings in a lot more of my experience and my nous, if you like, of ultra running. And, um, you know, I might not be the first person to 40Ks, but, you know, I might be the last person running, um, which is what I'm kind of hoping to do. And as far as distance goes, look, it, it, I have to treat it like a long run. I can't go into it wanting to race it. And, you know, um, although it's also always nice to win or, or podium or whatever, it's not my aim or goal for this experience. It's mainly just to get a, a race pace effort and um, of comrades um, kind of intensity. And that's 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 why I'm going um, to, to get that kind of uh, experience um, before comrades. And I'm hoping to do 50 to 60 kind of kilometres um, around there, but it will all depend on, 
on um, on the conditions of the day. If Melbourne puts up a nice night, or if Melbourne puts on its regular kind of four seasons in one day type conditions, who knows? But I'm I'm excited to be 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 involved in it. It's a really cool concept and. Yeah, I've got a few friends down there too that we're catching up with, so it kind of it, it's a good excuse to get away to what uh, what what some people may may say is the best city in Australia. Well, it's I think it's factually correct. It's a, one of the <laughs> it is one of the great cities. Um, the other cool thing about this Wings for Life is that it, it's happening concurrently around the world in plenty of other cities. So you you must have looked at you know what you have to do to win like the world title. Have you got that in the back of your mind? Yeah, look, I, I can't, yeah, there is a side of me that obviously is thinking that way. Um, you know, I was 10th in the world championships over 100K last year, so I'm obviously in and about that um, kind of range. But, you know, it's not about it's not about that. It's, it's more about just being involved and getting out a good quality long run. But, you know, saying that if I'm at... 60k and feeling great and you know spark is in the leg still which i'm not really thinking it will be because my training load at the moment has just been ridiculous so um i'm i'm i won't be going into this race fresh at all it'll it'll be on the off the back of 100k's already before it in the week so um you know i'll just see how it goes on the day if it's there if it's there and I'm able to get updates telling me that, you know, I'm in the ballpark. Yeah, I'll definitely have a dig, but I don't think I will be. I think I'm going to, I'll just be, you know, cruising along and, and making up, you know, on the world stage, the numbers, so to speak. I, I could be close to the front in the actual Melbourne race, which will be a nice little um, a nice little bonus if that happens. But I, I definitely won't be chasing it. Um, you know, I just want to get get good solid long run under my belt what was the ballpark for the world last year well it was actually you know it was actually ridiculous it was um a guy an italian guy giorgio calcaterra he's he's won the world 100k championships around three or four times i can't remember he he did 88 kilometers it, oh my god <laughs> it, was, it was actually well you know 88 kilometers and how long it was actually like uh, six. It was under six hours, which is which is just you know flying. It's he did something like three thirty three thirty eight pace or something for for eighty eight kilometers or something ridiculous. So three forties. I I can't remember exactly, but it was actually much much faster than what he ran at the World Hundred K Championships. You know that is a hundred K, not eighty eighty five or eighty eight or whatever he ran. But usually, you know, um, you'd leave your best performance for the World Championships. But in his case. Um, he actually, yeah, he actually ran an outstanding race last year. I think he won the world, the world um, wings for life run by by a big margin too. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't a close thing. I think he absolutely nailed it. Brendan, before we let you go, let's just check in on your parkrun progress lately. We know you've been named parkrunner of the month at Penrith Lakes. How's how's mm, how's, yeah. how's your crew been going at parkrun? Mate, I've been loving parkrun uh, this year. It, I've hit a couple of really, really cool, uh, really cool land, land, uh, um, life life moments. I guess um, I think earlier in the year, maybe been late last year, I, I got my finally got my fiftieth parkrun up. It was a long time coming. You know, I got involved in parkrun very early in Australia, down in um, Ginandera. It was one of the first ones set up, and but, yeah, just with commitments, I'm not able to get to them all that often. 
So, yeah, I got my 50th Parkrun uh, T-shirt and wear it proudly. And, and yeah, a couple of weeks ago, um, I got I had the honour of getting the Parkrunner of the Month at Penrith Lakes, which is, you know, my local Parkrun, if you like. I, I have I have a few near me now. There's a there's one at Lawson, obviously, that's very close. And there's also a new one down at Nepean River that's, um, that's also in Penrith. Um, but, yeah, I think Penrith Lakes has always been that special one for me. And, um, yeah, so the same morning I got that, that um, Park Runner of the Month award. It, I think it, it just absolutely, you know, G'd me up because I went out and, and ran a sub-16-minute uh, park run. And first time dipping under 16 minutes, um, I ran 15.49. And um, it was a beautiful day down there at the lakes. It was, you know, one of those PB mornings. But I still, I still like to run it, and um, I think it was just being the excitement of getting that award, and um, yeah, it was a really good sign going into Comrades now that I've got that kind of speed, speed under my belt. Um, last year, I think I mentioned to you guys that I was using um, Parkrun as a, a really good, you know, yardstick of how my training's going. Well, it's been basically the same this year as well. I've been heading down there when I can to to get my five k. Um, I've always believed that you know you got to have the speed um, under your belt no matter what distance you want to do and um, so yeah using 5k's is a really good yardstick and uh, yeah did a did a good time there and I just loved re- loved receiving that award you know because it's not all about performances in fact it's it's not about that at all it's more about the support and the, and the involvement and the you know the the promotion of of, of the parkrun movement and I've always been a, a big believer and a big follower and a, and a big advocate of parkrun. Um, you know, I coach a, a big squad up here in, in Western Sydney and Penrith, um, and, you know, I, I coach a lot of people. I, I include parkrun in their programs, and um, we support the new, uh, as a business, I mean, my, my coaching business, we support the, the, the new Nepean River parkrun as well because I, I believe that, you know, every, every, every sport needs a grassroots level and and for a lot of people, you know, parkrun is how they get involved in running. Um, you know, as a junior, you have a few more avenues like little athletics and, and you know, things like that. But adults, um, you know, it's not easy to get involved in running. You know, there's a lot of races out there, but how do you just, how do you just make the small steps into those races? And that's where parkrun comes in, comes in on its own because it's, it's such a, a cool concept. It's low key and, and very casual. It's it's social and it has a community based around it. That's only only only. It's, it's so supportive, and 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 there's no pressure on people. And that's what I love about it. You, you can go along and and people can walk the first one if they want, whatever they want to do, and then they start to get a little bit more into it. The running bug. Just let, I always say, go to park run and let the running bug take over. Because the running bug does the rest. Uh, you, you just got to get yourself there, and and that's what happens. You know, they, they end up going once, and then they they make it a weekly thing. And before you know it, they want to know more about running, and they want to know how to get you know get better, and they start becoming uh, a little bit more involved in the in the movement of park run, volunteering, and they meet new people, and then they start to broaden their their um, running goals. You know, they a lot of them use park run as a stepping stone to bigger events. But not everyone. It's uh, but that's what I love about it. It's just so inclusive, and, and it's and it's just it's brought a lot of joy and happiness and healthiness to a lot of people's lives, and that's why I support it. Couldn't agree more, Brendan. 
Fortunately, there's no vaccine for the bug that we call parkrun. As long as – I hope people don't look at me and go, oh, he's a crazy ultra runner that runs millions of kilometres. I hope I don't end up becoming like him. <laughs> oh, well, you know. <laughs> Usually people have their own little little goals and limits and, and that's all that matters. It takes all kinds, that's for sure. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast once more, Brendan. Good luck with Comrades and good luck with Wings for Life. We'll be keeping an eye out to see how you go. And hopefully that um, pacer car from the back end doesn't mow you down too soon. Thanks, Mel. And, you know, if I could just put a sh- one last shout out for, um, for, the, for the charity that, uh, yeah, Outrun Cancer that we set up or Luca set up um, on the weekend. It's not too late to donate. So if you head to Outrun Cancer on, on the internet and just hook into the website there, it'll, it'll show you how to get, in, get involved and help out. It was really a tremendous event and it raised, I think, over $20,000 for um, camp quality. So, uh, we, you know, we can still take donations. So, yeah, thanks for your support there as well. Fantastic effort for a wonderful cause. Thanks very much, Mel. A massive month of April for Parkrun Global and our mate from Queensland, Stones Corner in particular, Ian Hay, is back to join us and break down some stats. Welcome back, Ian. Thanks, Scott. Very very exciting month for stats with um, the month just gone. Yeah, so for the first time in Parkrun history, we had one million runners run in a month. I think we'll get there more often in the future, but let's have a look at this million runners for april what have you got for us it's amazing and, and not only just that and i know it's a five-week month which helps us to get to that but the weekend just gone we also had a record global attendance so that's the first time we've gone over two hundred thousand. so um two hundred seventeen thousand four hundred park runners across the world which is massive i was gonna say you know with five weekends in april the new record was always going to be you know in uh, or the old record was always going to be in doubt, but the new record didn't just take the old record out for celebratory breakfast. It left it at home when it chucked a tantrum and wanted it to think about what it did because it absolutely slaughtered the old record. It might be a long time before we get close to that again. And that global record just on the weekend gone is just what helped push it just way over the edge. So. I had a bit of a look back over just um, the last um, couple of times we've had five-week months just to see if anything jumped out, and they're all way behind. So I think, what was it, um, December, which you can't really count December because it's kind of hard with Christmas, though we had 122,000 uh, locally. Um, so I'm not looking at global there, but we had 122,000, whereas within Australia we actually had 100, nearly 149,000 runners, so we're nearly hitting the 150,000 uh, for the month, which is just huge for us. And when you think about it, you know, this is the time of year where the numbers do start to drop off a little bit because there are quite a few people staying in bed due to the extra dark and the extra cool. So we're not doing too badly in comparison to summer. So that's pretty good. How many volunteers went in to make that all happen, Ian? So within Australia, we had uh, 10,176 volunteers in April, which is a massive number of volunteers. Over the five weeks. Yep. That's brilliant. I tell you what, not many organisations in the world could boast 
they had 10,000 people volunteering in a month. You know, not many Australian organisations anyway. So not only are we the biggest running event in the world, we've got to be pushing the biggest volunteer base in the world as well. Yeah, just the logistics of that many, that many numbers is huge. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. So we've also got a few numbers on um, first-timers as well. So just to clarify, first-timers is the um, first time they've been to that event. So during April, we had 22,700 first-timers out at events, which could include adventurers, but it will, it will also include actual literal first-timers to parkrun themselves. How many were there? 22,000? 22,700. That's some good adventuring numbers. And I think the uh, the overall adventurer numbers, so these are the ones, yep, these are adventurers, um, what, 34,500 nearly. So out of that 148,000, that's a big chunk. I'm, how many divide that by? So there's like 7,000 adventurers, adventurers every week, it, just in Australia alone. Yeah, and the biggest week I think was that long weekend, the 15th of um, April was the biggest, it was 9,500, whereas the other weeks were around 6,500. So it was a big spike on the 15th. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure we don't have that many adventurers listening to the podcast. So where where are you guys? <laughs> Why aren't you tuning in? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast for you. No, it's, podcast. <laughs> it's podcast now. People don't understand them yet. They'll catch up. They're catching up. Oh, that's good. <laughs> just not 7,000 of them just yet. Just yet. The, the other cool number that I, I had a quick look at too was um, how we were in April last year compared to this year, so within Australia. So we've jumped from 118,000 up to 148,500. So we've jumped up 30-odd thousand in the last 12 months okay. across the same month. But here we go. I'm putting my sceptic's hat on now. We just That just means we just <laughs> had an extra week in April if we're getting about 30,000 a week. So no, no, sorry, that was compared to April last year. So that was also a five-week Oh, was it? Chunk last year. Oh. Yeah. I did go back and double-check that to be sure. <laughs> well, that is good. That's great. So there's good literal growth. Yeah. <laughs> How many five-week months do we tend to have in a year? Is it only one or is there a couple usually? No, we also had December, October last year. Yeah, December has five. October has – we had five weeks last week. Uh, last week, last year. Um, so did July. So there's actually a few months. Yeah. Ian, thank you very much for joining us to share those wonderful numbers. Perhaps next time we might have some global ones to share with everybody, which would be very cool. But it's lovely to see that Australia is certainly doing our bit to contribute to the global attendance records when these things happen. And look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Thanks, Mel. Look forward to it. One million runners in April. Fair effort. I wonder if there'll be a million runners at Achuka Moama on Saturday. I think that may be a slight exaggeration, although it is the second E in Australia. How about that? We haven't had an E for all this time, and then we get back-to-back E's. Following it's on just like that. waiting for a bus in London. <laughs> of course it is. So Achuka Moama. Another one of these border towns where the cool town is in Victoria and the crap town's in Victoria. So that's why it's called Achuka Moema. <laughs> I like how you said both the cool and the crap towns were in Victoria. Well, did I? That backfired. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's okay. 
But moving right along, we've got anniversaries this weekend in two of them in New South Wales. Batemans Bay are celebrating their first and Rhodes are celebrating their second. And in Queensland, Cleveland are celebrating their fourth anniversary. And we're going to keep it short and sweet. Yep, that's it. That is the outro. For the cake at the end. Because we've kept you busy all this time and you guys must have been running for about two hours by now. Or on a bus over several trips because you couldn't fit the podcast all into one. Yeah, we did this bit last week. No, No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. No, we made people run. Yep. But that's different. You were shouting at people on the bus, go, go, go. I wasn't shouting at them. Thanks for joining me this week, Scotty. (laughs) Okay, thank you. That's enough. See you next week. I'll invite you back again next week. Will you? Okay, great. Look forward to the invitation. (laughs) 